Welcome to Big Bones, Thick Skin, the podcast that talks to marginalized actors about their experiences in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Claire Alpern. This podcast is near and dear to my heart because I am a plus-size actress and have had to navigate a very specific journey in the acting world. Here, I'll be holding space and having conversations with other plus-size actors, as well as those who identify as trans, Black, Asian American, queer, gender non-conforming, tall, short, old, young, and more, to tell their stories and share their feelings of being mis- or underrepresented in entertainment. We want it to change. We want to see everyone represented, but we need to talk about it first. And this is the first step in doing so. Welcome to Big Bones, Big Skin. It's our responsibility to acknowledge that the land where we live and produce is occupied land. Chicago, Illinois is the territory of the Potawatomi, the Kickapoo, the Miami, and the Peoria peoples. We pay our respects to elders both past and present. My guest this episode is a kick-ass actor and writer who I met in Chicago, who is now located in Los Angeles. She's actually one of the pivotal players in my creating this podcast, even though she doesn't know it, as she was one of the first plus-size actresses I spoke with about creating a fat actress community. Along with her writing partner, she's created a multimedia production company called Undeniable Inc., with a K, which was inspired by a need for more uncompromising stories told from women's perspectives. They've written an original television series, two original screenplays, two original stage plays, countless monologues, one for me, sketches, one acts, and eulogies. You can check them out at undeniablewriters.com. Please join my conversation with the wonderful Jen Bosworth Ramirez. first started talking and our friendship really took off was when we were talking about getting a group of like-minded, like-bodied, like-identifying people together, specifically actresses um, uh, that are not thin. And just having a community in and of itself, right? To sure. support each other and lift each other up and like vent when we need to vent because there's plenty to vent about, right? That is true. That is true. So that when when like Dana started doing her podcast and all these other people started talking about podcasts, you know, there was not I like I had no interest until I was like, wait a minute, there's like there's a need for this. There are people out there that at least, and and at the very least, it's for my own selfish reasons. Sure. You know, and to find my own voice and to talk about my experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, and I'm only trying to talk to people that kind of self-identify. Sure. This way. No, 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 no. And then, you know, ultimately, I hope to open it up to other communities that feel marginalized and are somehow the uh, bear the brunt of some toxic mm-hmm. casting practices. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's great. And, and I think, uh, I think for podcast sake, you know, it's like, right. If you go, my looking at it is, is if you go for what brings you, the, what has mm-hmm. juice for you, mm-hmm. you, I don't think you can go wrong because that means, you know, chances are it has juice for other people, but even if you know the, it's a it's a smaller number than you might think or whatever, there are still going to be people that benefit that need to hear. Right? I feel, I feel, and at the very yeah. least, it's something for me to do, <laughs> where I'm exactly. not just sitting around waiting for someone to write something or you know. Yeah. So um, what happened? What what's happening? Chicago wise auditioning is everything just shut again? It's very. I mean. It's hard to tell because, you know, you only see what your specific type and and all of that. So it's pretty slow. Theater, uh, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, theater was more trying to at least continue with 
self-tapes, even though they could only take the casting process so far. Um, it seems most of the stuff is commercial, um, okay. clearly, because uh, that never stops. <laughs> Always um, got to sell something. Right, right. So, um, but but it's definitely not at the pace that it was at all. And they have to be incredibly careful with, um, you know, making sure everybody knows the specs and the COVID related, um, regulations that they're going to adhere to. So, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't see a lot of it, but that's okay. (laughs) There's so much to handle in the world. Yeah. And, and I think in here in LA, it's been really busy for me, but it's also not been busy. Like auditions have been busy, but not, Mm -hmm. I mean, I haven't booked anything and I think it's the same in terms of things probably get cast and then they get shut down and then they get cast and then they get shut down. So whatever, it gives me something to do self taping and it's fine. And also, right. It's not because I'm writing so much that I don't, it, it it's good to have something else to do other than yeah. act. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I would tell all plus size ladies is do something else besides act. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, and, and, yes. in addition and why, to, not, and in why would you to. say that? Why would you say that? What, what makes you um, feel that way? I think like, yeah, I think that, um, making your own, making your own art, making my own art, whatever that means um, to me is, is essential in, in terms of not relying, like you said, not relying on someone to write something for me um, and, and not waiting and not waiting. That's what I would say. Like, stop waiting, like stop waiting. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, exactly. like don't wait and, and, and um, yeah, that's it. That's yeah, so I'm you saying. don't you don't necessarily mean go be an accountant on nope. top of it unless no, that floats unless your boat. That really, but if you're if you love if you, I would say if someone came to me, you know, like like you are, say, mm-hmm. hey, why did you do that? I would say, yeah, I know that the casting world is changing. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not catching up as fast as I would like, and so for me that meant okay, well why is that? And I thought, Oh, it, it starts with writing. So yeah. with television writing and film writing. So I said, okay, let me go be a television and film writer. Um, partially because of my frustration as a plus size actress in, in Hollywood land and also in, you know, the entertainment business in general, mm-hmm. wherever I live, but partially I just really also love it. So it's like, I would say, find something that you love to do. Maybe you don't love to do it as much as acting, or maybe you do mm-hmm. and do that. Yeah. Especially now, especially, especially now. Right. I mean, that's a lot of people are, I think, taking this, I mean, it's not self-imposed. They don't have a lot of control over it, but they're taking this as a time to be like, okay, I keep kept asking for time and for a break from all this stuff. Now I have it. Uh, right. let me figure this stuff out. Yeah. And it doesn't look necessarily like we, any of us thought, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that time comes with other complications. Like, you know, there's obviously health concerns and we can't go anywhere and, and financial concerns because we can't earn in a certain way. But, you know, it, it is the mother of invention necessity. And so I would never say, oh, it's been easy, you know, blah, blah. But it, it, ha- it has been, at least for me, a time of, you know, um, figuring out as a woman, as a person, as a plus size actress, like what, what do I want to do? Also, also, mm-hmm. it's an also, mm-hmm. I would say it's right. a big also, you know? Right. I think yeah. a lot of people, uh, mistakenly think that once they choose acting, that has to be it. It's all or nothing. And I, it's like, yep. that's, I mean, that's one of the many things that, uh, is, systemic in the way that we've been conditioned to be grateful for whatever we can get. Therefore, we cannot do anything else because you never, you don't want to take yourself out of the running. Right. I think that's so true. And I also think there's this whole thing of when I went to acting conservatory, it was like, if you have something to fall back on, you will fall back. And it's that to me, right. So ridiculous. I know. No, it, it is really sort of a, um, and I think more so, you know, probably plus size women have to do this is a yes and situation. It's mm-hmm. like, yes, and what else can I do? Yes, mm-hmm. and I can produce. Yes, and I can write. Yes, and I can do a podcast. Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is, I would say yes and the crap out of your life right now. 
Yeah, I I think that's awesome. That is awesome. That's a really, (laughs) that's really smart. Um, So let's go back to, you you mentioned that you went to grad school, to acting school. Tell me about that. Where did you go? So I went to uh, DePaul in Chicago. I went to theater school at DePaul. Mm -hmm. I, um, it it was, I was, uh, you know, I'm doing a podcast as well, which is crazy called I Survived Theater School and with a theater school buddy of mine. And she and I have just been talking obviously about acting a lot and acting school. And so I, I grew up in Evanston, Illinois, and Mm -hmm. I, was not the big actor. I was not a child actor. I was not a high school in all the high school plays. I did Mm. like the comedy review. And then literally I didn't know where I wanted to go to college and I wanted to take a gap year and travel. And my mom was Mm. like, absolutely not. You will go. She's an immigrant. And she was like, you will go to college. Education was like super important to her. So she, so she was like, Nope, you will pick a college. And so I was like, okay. So Literally, and this ties into your podcast theme, mm-hmm. my best friend in high school was this thin, still is, I mean, and she's not, she's not my best friend anymore, but she still is thin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, she was the actress in everything and mm. she was gorgeous, still is. Mm. And um, so I thought, and she was going to, um, she, her dream was to go to NYU to mm. go to, 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 to acting school. She went and yeah. she and went to point of Tish. And so I thought, well, she, that she knew where she wanted to go from when we were in high school and she was just really worldly. And, you know, so I said, okay, well, I, I think there was a part of me and I, and I talk about this in my, actually in my pitch pitch for, for when I'm pitching scripts, um, when it's like about me and my personal pitch, it's like, yeah, I literally thought that if I went to acting school, I would become thin and really gorgeous <sighs> like this woman. Like I thought, yeah. like if you went there, that mm-hmm. would turn you would you could turn into that. Mm-hmm. So I just started applying to acting schools oh because she did, and I I didn't I got into Tish. I, I can't even remember, but I didn't. Oh, you know, at Tish, like you needed to pick a school within the school, right? Oh, like yes. whether it's Atlantic, whether it's mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. And, right, um, right, right. And I, and they asked me, and I didn't hadn't researched any of the schools, and I just said I have no idea. So they were like, "You don't know what you want to do. This is for serious actors, basically." So I got into NYU, but I didn't. It was very expensive. I mean, then now, of course, yes. but um, it's crazier. But um, mm-hmm. I didn't know. So I, I couldn't afford Tish. And then I applied um, at uh, um, California School of the Arts or like mm-hmm. CalArts. Yeah. yeah. So applied at CalArts, got in, didn't get, didn't get dough. And then DePaul, the theater school, I got, um, I don't even think I got um, scholarships, but I got financial aid from okay. the state or mm-hmm. from the government. And um, my mom and my parents said I could go there and they could afford it. So literally that's how I ended up at theater school. Like I, 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 I must have been okay in order to get, I'm not saying I was terrible, but I to like not get cut and not get, uh-huh. and, and cause they had a cut system, but also just to get God, in. Did I they must, really? Oh yeah. They, they cut a- half our class every oh. year. God. It was the worst system. And we're talking a lot, obviously, in our podcast to people that have been caught also. Because mm-hmm. when we say we survived theater school, it has nothing to do with actually getting cut or not. It's like right. we just survived the experience at all. Right. And right. so um, you went to theater school, didn't you? Did you? No. No, oh, no, no. Okay. I, thought I mean, I've like, taken classes up. Up the wazoo. Like, yeah. Okay. But so, so anyway, I went to DePaul and I, um, and I, you know, it's interesting. I, I always, speaking of plus size, it's like mm. I grew up being really, my parents were really hard on me about my weight. So I think that, mm. that my weight was quote under control in terms of being quote thinner mm. until I was like, this is crazy. You know what right. I mean? Until yeah. I was probably, uh, t- until I was older. So, um, but there was always this thing of the fear of, and it's such a range, right? So plus size is such a range. Right. So like, right. It's, it's, I commend you for doing a podcast on it because it's such, it's such a range. Like there's, you know, some yeah. people think they're plus size and other people don't think they're plus size. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And at my thinnest, for me, it was really thin, but it was still quote unquote plus size or chubby right. or whatever. And it's, right. yeah, it's, it's subjective, but also 
not. It's crazy. Yeah, anyway, it's a very weird thing. So I yeah. grew up with that stigma. So I'm, my mom was from Colombia and my dad mm. was Swedish and, um, and my, the Colombians were like highly concerned with mm. in, in, in my, in my family. Anyway, I don't know what, I'm not going to speak for all Colombian immigrants right. but <laughs> of, of my family, you know, my, my family that came to this country, my mom mm-hmm. came when she was like 16 or 17 and, um, but they were highly concerned with weight, you know? And so, and just um, in general or with you, just in general, just in general. everybody, they like, would, like you're in keep ta- appearances, but specifically weight, like they would keep tabs on people's weight and like, Oh, have you, she's gained weight or she's, she's lost so much weight. She looks great. My mm-hmm. grandmother is hilarious. Um, was part, my grandmother was teeny. She was like, when, when I say teeny, she was five foot one, maybe, or five oh. feet. She was very five feet if she was, and, and wow. she's just a small woman, right? Yeah. But she yeah. always thought that she was quote, fat and when she said quote fat she meant it in a bad negative way and you know because the word is now being taken back by a lot of people right Um, so so she was part of this early weight watchers group called tops which was called taking off pounds successfully and this was in the 70s and the 80s and it probably still exists so tops and she was obsessed and she had these magnets on her refrigerator that said a life uh, a minute on the lips a lifetime on the hips oh my god and she was was obsessed so that is the kind of culture that i came from and then and then and then, you know, in, in my life when I was thinnest was when I was sickest mentally. Oh, so yeah. I didn't have like anorexia and I wasn't bulimic, but I did have a, a period where I had intense anxiety mm-hmm. and I couldn't eat. And so I, I, I got very, very thin. And of course my mother loved that. Mm. Like she couldn't see that I was like dying of anxiety. Right. I'm, she, that's, that, like, so despite your appearance otherwise because i'm sure i looked terrible right i'm sure it took she a toll on it. you oh my she God. loved it she thought wow. she bought me clothes she couldn't believe i was a size eight like she was like mm. here's the clothes she spent money on me it was mm. really sick and so you know in some ways i'm glad that she, she's gone she's dead and <laughs> i i know that i always say that it's such but like for a lot of reasons like when someone dies that has, that you have a very, that I had a very complicated relationship yep. with, there are good things about that person not being in your circle and in, sure. in the and influencing you and kind of that, of that presence. Yeah. Yeah. There's a total freedom. So, so I went, yeah, but I went to theater school and there, you know, I think I just was like, oh, you, you, I did the thing that everybody did that I see on Facebook, which is like, I look back at pictures and I thought, Oh my God, I was so fat. And whatever. And I say, I, I say that in like, I thought I was bad, you know, Yeah. but I yeah. look back and I was like, Oh, I wasn't. So I've had like a very distorted view of what I look like and sure. what, what other people look like actually too. And I would never say, you know, so, so anyway, I went to theater school. That's what, that's how I ended up there. I graduated in, uh, I took a year off um, Mm -hmm. in the middle to go study Shakespeare and uh, work on Shakespeare uh, on the East coast in the Berkshires at Shakespeare. Oh, nice. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I got accepted to a program there. And so then I went, then I came back. I graduated from the theater school in 98. Great. So what, So I know that you initially were thinking that going to theater school was going to solve your quote unquote problem of being plus size. Yeah. What was your experience as a plus size person in theater school? And that could be at DePaul. That could be at Shakespeare and Company. Um, Oh, Shakespeare and is great. They didn't care. Yeah. They didn't care. Um, Yeah. Because it's Shakespeare, right? Right. And also they just, it was like a more, the conservatory, look. I was like sort of at that time during, during my college years, maybe an in-between size. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. but, but definitely, definitely one of the larger people in my class. And, um, I think that it was never mentioned. So I give him credit for that. Yeah. Because I have heard nightmare stories. Yeah, of... well, like Carnegie Mellon, they used to weigh people. Oh a friend of mine God. went to Carnegie Mellon. Um, but yes, I was cast a lot as the never an ingenue. Right, that's the right. thing. I was always the older lady, the the yes. older, the older, the older woman, the the more um, crony type. You mm-hmm. know, like a crone or a, a 
widow or something like that. So that I think that's mm. how it played out. I was never the ingenue, but here's the thing. Like I was so interested in being funny and probably some of that comes from being plus size too, but like, uh-huh. but I was so interested in being, being funny and being, and loved comedy that like, I didn't, Right. I didn't take it so personally then in right, school right. that I was playing the older roles. Plus we were mm-hmm. all young playing the somewhat older roles. But I, I think it was I think it was when graduating and become and, and starting to work professionally that it became like this is so crazy because mm-hmm. I my auditions were, you know, so I, I graduated and um got agents immediately, got like you know, when you could multi-list in Chicago, I got like, you know, five agents. I was, wow. I worked, I worked, yeah. but I was never an ingenue. And I think yeah. that really bothered me until I just sort of made peace with that. You know, what was that like? How did that, what, how did that make you feel at that time? Well, I just, I, I can tell you that it felt like, right. It felt like there was no place for me mm-hmm. in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like that in my family too. So it was Mm -hmm. a very familiar, horrible, familiar Mm -hmm. feeling, but it wasn't a shock, but it was sort of like, oh, this is more of the same. Yes. Nothing changes, um, which, which is very painful and also is very alienating, even though then later on you realize that everyone feels some version of this, but Mm -hmm. I think plus size women especially feel it in a way that is like really um, right. So you turn against your own body and then you become competitive with other women. And yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's a very interesting thing. So, yeah, yeah. I know that one of the, you know, people ask actors, what is it that you love about acting? And a lot of times, and it's true for me sometimes it's, you know, just getting out of your own self and exploring another person and another personality. Um, And I really struggle with or have struggled with the idea that uh, my identity as a plus size person in reality and my identity as an actor is also plus size because it's been pointed out to me and I've been cast as the non-ingenue and all that. And there was really, there was a lot of overlap so that I didn't feel like for a long time, I won't say that recently, I feel like it's gotten, uh, I've changed um, in what I'm looking for, but I was never, I could never escape from the things about Ah. myself that I was told was a problem because- Ah. Whatever I would get cast as, it would be a role that would be considered less than beautiful, less than interesting, less than all that of that is stuff. Fascinating. I never thought about that, but that's yeah. that is exactly I, I totally can identify with that. Right. Right. And so for me, what that did was, I mean, it was it's it was really hard, but also what it gave me was, and I say this about my childhood as well. It's like, it just gave me so much compassion for other people Mm. and saying like, Oh, other people who maybe feel like they can't escape who they are. I think we are, I'll speak for myself forced. I was forced to, whether I liked it or not to rely on other things other than looks. Right. So not that people rely on looks, but we're just, we can't, I can't look, I couldn't. So it wasn't possible as an actor. So, so, um, I had to develop my compassion, my, um, curiosity, my, um, sense of humor, I would imagine my sense of humor, my resilience, Mm -hmm. my perseverance, all those things I had to develop. And I developed those from a very young age. And then as an actor, I had to develop them again, like really develop them, um, to work, work a room to, Mm -hmm. to, um, to get, be engaging. And so, yeah. as hard and as, as sort of grief filled as my life has been specifically around body, it has also been very, very freeing in some ways to finally, it's a pain in the butt, but to finally be able to say, oh, if I want to see, like you said, it's me, I've changed. So if I want to see lasting change in this industry, I have to do something about it. And, yeah. and it's not. 
because yeah. it it, a part of me is like, I shouldn't have to do this. We should just be normal human beings that see, right. don't see body size as a hindrance, as a weirdness, as a difference, as a, or as a bad thing. Um, but it's the way it is. And so that's really what brought me to Los Angeles in a lot of ways was to, mm. to really change the industry. Mm write from the ground up and the only way I could think of to do that was by writing right so yeah. uh, or show running which is writing first yeah. usually oh, and- so is that <laughs> thank you because I never quite knew what show running was me neither so like running a really show know. right so usually from my you know I'm not no obviously no show running expert but um from what I'm learning is that so usually what happens is someone writes a show right and they and they uh, or starts as a writer mm-hmm. is either in a writer's room working on a show or had develops their own show and then slowly learns about the process of producing and then gets mm-hmm. their show, you know, and then is able to run up their show and then runs other shows later, or maybe they have multiple shows like David Fincher or someone else like that, that, right. that can, but um, yeah. So show running, if I want to, if I want to literally run the show, I have to write my, my way in is through writing stories that highlight people with different body types mm-hmm. in, a, in a different way, like mm-hmm. right? people in a different way. And it's interesting because a lot of people for years have said that you should write, you should check. And I was like, that is such garbage. Like, I don't want to do that. I, I want to act. Yeah. But it, there comes a point where if I'm right, I was complaining. And if I'm miserable about auditions and if I'm miserable about the roles, right, then I have to write them. Yeah. Or you have to stop complaining. Right. Or do or something find else. something else to do. Exactly. Go work at Chase Bank or whatever. Which is, God. You know, hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, I have so that, many, but... no, but I mean, I, it's just not my jam either, but I, yeah. I definitely feel like there was a put up or shut up kind of a internal thing that happened sure. for me about yeah. four years ago that I was like, Oh, Oh, or maybe even longer that I was like, okay, I see what's happening here. Mm. If I'm not happy in this industry as an actor, it's my job to do something, especially for generations of women that are coming behind me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I think what's really interesting, um, and you didn't say this in so many words, but you, it seems, did the internal inventory uh, and and about how you are in the world and how and 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 how you are in the industry, and instead of trying to change yourself to fit the industry, mm-hmm. you're recognizing that it's not you that needs to change. It's the system that needs to change. Yeah. On some um, level, yeah. Yeah. Which, and, and that's the only way that you can chart that path for the people right. behind you. Right. It, it, it is an inside job. Like people always say that. And, 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 and so it can't be, Oh, I can. I mean, you could lose weight and then work, work a lot. Like there's people like, you know, I'm recently interested in the Rebel Wilson journey. Oh, yeah. On this, what seems to be a very extreme regimen. And, and, you know, okay. And I, I, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like hmm, I'm curious about people and not pegging people also as like a fat champion yes, who don't want to be that. Yes. And let them change. Let her do whatever she wants. Um, yes. They don't speak for everybody. And, and yet, and yet I don't know what the impetus was for her change. Right. right. But mm-hmm. I do know for me, every time I've tried to mold into a person that I think is more castable, I think is more, it hasn't worked out well for me. Um, and, and it's always said until it's like, you know, now I hike and I do this and I do that, but th- I do that because I like doing those things. Right. I think there's because that's part of your life as opposed it's part of my to my lifestyle, right. As opposed to I'm trying to get thin. I'm not, you know, I don't, right. but, um, I, it's interesting cause I don't want to fault people, you know, for losing, having a massive weight loss. No, because we all have they, our journeys, right? right. We all right. have, and. And you don't, we don't know where these people are coming from, what the, again, what the impetus is. And it's part of it is the judgment, you know, and, and so who are we to judge? Right. Right. And, and who, who are we to judge? And also, um, everyone has, you said everyone has to, to sort of define for themselves inside what is okay and what is not okay and what is, and what is important and what's not important. And I, I, um, 
it's interesting. It's just super interesting to to look. I've also did a bunch of, you know, I worked at PR casting and, yeah. and, and being on the other side of that. I mean, I was never a big, big, the big wig or anything like that, but I did a lot of, um, I did some session running and I also did some outreach for projects. And it's just, you know, for me, the systemic change has to happen from the writing on up. Yeah, uh, because uh, unless you're going to, you know, infiltrate an advertising agency and try to get advertised commercials mm. is a different story. I think that that's know? yeah one of the last things to probably yeah, it's probably it, one of the change. last things to go, and it's not it doesn't interest me. But like television right. and film, yeah, that interests me. So in my in my in my journey, I just realized that like yeah, right for me, that's 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 where it starts for me is to write mm. characters whose body uh, bodies look like all different kinds of things. And mm. there is, there is, is not the main point of the story it is how to get the fat person thin, you know, right. Unless yes. that they want to be, and that's part of the, that, uh, but not as a gimmick and not as a, as a, some kind of prize, right. right. Or some kind of, Oh, look, she's or a judgment. Now, Right. And she's happy yeah. now that she's thin and she was so yeah. sad when she was fat. And that's right. the whole point of the story. I, I just, that doesn't interest me. That's boring no. to me. No. And it's been done and it's done its harm and now it needs to be retired. For I sure. think so. It's an yeah. old trope. Yeah. It's a very old trope. Absolutely. Um, I do want to pivot slightly because you talked sure. about your writing, which I think is, I mean, yes, I completely agree. And thank mm -hmm. God for you and <laughs> people like you that are doing this, you know, and not just for me and my body, but for everybody's bodies. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that you wrote and performed your own show. I did. How long did. ago was that? And tell us about it. Okay. So I, um, my, my journey was uh, partially geographical of um, mm. when I left Chicago in 2000 to move to LA. I thought I was going to mm. be an actor. And um, I had done some television and film and in Chicago after I graduated in 98. And so mm. I moved to LA like everybody from my class and, and we were trying to be famous actors, but I, I literally moved here and I got a job at a bookstore that I loved mm -hmm. and I stopped acting. I just stopped. I didn't even pursue agency. I was like really needing to find myself and I had never looked away from home before. And so mm -hmm. I really immersed myself in this, in this, it was a metaphysical bookstore. It was like this. Oh, wow. It doesn't exist. They tore it down but, or they sold it. And they, but it was around since 68 and Shirley MacLaine, all the fame, you know, famous oh people God. come in there. I met like, <gasps> some great people. I met Prince. I met Oh, Alanis Morissette. I met Madonna. I met, so, so we worked in this book. I worked in this bookstore. That was enough. And then I was not make, but I was not making enough. It was enough yeah. emotionally. And and so then I ended up working for Nicolas Cage's production company. Oh, from two thousand and one right. to two thousand and six. And during that time, I didn't act either. I was like and a full-time assistant basically to him and his producing partner. And I, I, you know, it was wild and great and fun and sad and all the things. And, yeah. um, but during that time I started writing cause I was like, mm. some of this stuff is wild and not even Nick stuff, like just stuff in the industry, just yeah. life stuff. And so I started writing and then my dad, unfortunately in Chicago got sick. He got addicted to painkillers oh. and he, I came home. I, I, I was also really burnt out and I, I got, I went back to Chicago and he passed away mm -hmm. while I was there. And then, um, I stayed and fell in love. And then my, and then my, this is so crazy. My, my future husband, he was my, my, uh, boyfriend, he got cancer. He's fine. Jeez. But then my mom got cancer and then oh, she, God. and I took care of her as she passed away. So my show I wrote, um, was called Why Not Me, Love Cancer, and Jack White, because I started to have these crazy reoccurring dreams about Jack White. Oh my God. We're being romantically involved with him during well, this time. I've heard <laughs> worse. Amazing. I've heard a lot worse. That yeah, doesn't yeah. sound too bad to no, me. No, no. It was weird, but it wasn't. So the show is like was an hour solo show about really about my journey um, as a daughter, taking care of people mm. who are dying, and also about Hollywood and also mm. about the desire to really um, feel at home in your own skin. And, and so that show I wrote and I, I, in 2012, it had two runs in Chicago and then it went to New York. Wow. Um, 
as part of the French festival. Yes. And then it came back to Chicago, uh, I think for one more year. And then it just got, it, 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 um, it's like anything you kind of outgrow your solo shows. So I so would like, imagine it's, yeah. I have new solo shows if I wanted to do that, if anyone would like to, to see them, we'll do them one day. But like, yeah, I, 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 the solo show was really about being seen, about telling my story as a daughter, as an actor, as a, as an assistant to a movie star, but also just figuring out, yeah, what it takes to feel at home and to um, mm. live your dream of, of being an artist. And that, that was really sort of my re-entry because when my dad got sick and died, I went back to school and I have a master's in counseling psych. Oh and I was, a, I know it's crazy. I have a, I was a therapist for five years. And then, and then when my mom died, she said, you're an art. She, before she died, she told me you're an artist. You need to be an artist. You need to quit your job as a therapist. If that's what you want to do. Wow. And I'm leaving you a little bit of money. So go do that. And so that's what I did. And I did a show. And then that show led to back to a more traditional acting career mm. and an agent and, and stuff like that. But I, I really, in 2012, my vision was just to do this show as an homage to my mom and myself and Chicago and LA is like a love letter and then move and then go back to being a therapist, but it didn't, didn't work out. I never, <laughs> That's I never, amazing. I never went back. I never went back to being a therapist. Yeah. Although now on this podcast, my, my, my podcast partner and I, are both therapists backgrounds. So it turns out to be, oh, that's, being a little bit of a therapy sessions. But. Boy, I would imagine anyone that's gone through any iota of theater school with needs a therapist. Yes. A conservatory. Yeah. You are mm -hmm. right on sister. Mm -hmm. Right mm -hmm. on. So that's mm -hmm. my solo show. Yeah. That was my solo show. It was a, it was a real, um, a, a real coming out party in terms of, Oh yeah, this is me. I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I'm an artist. Mm. This is what I look like. Um, and this is who this is. Yeah, this is this is me. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. It's was just coming out of to look to like, yeah, I'm an artist. This is what I do. I tell stories. I, it may take some different forms. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't have to be exclusive for sure. Right. So that was the solo show. And I, you know, I think about doing another solo show, but I think, wow, it's just financially real crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. And I made zero dollars on that show. Right. And, and unless you have something that you absolutely want to communicate to the world. Um, and it sounds like you did whether, you know, whether you know it or not and, and in a roundabout way, but also finding your voice and finding yourself and finding, you know, like you said, being comfortable in your own skin. I absolutely. think is, I mean, that's worth, it's <laughs> worth the money. I mean, people spend a lot more on therapy to get, that's true. to not even get close to it. That's true. And, and yeah. I, and I had a great, I had a friend who was a director that said, I want to direct it and you're going to mm, do it. And she was awesome. really instrumental in that. So that was really cool. Yeah. What a, what a gift for and from your mom. Yeah. My mom was yeah. pretty cool. She was really hard to live with a lot of times, but she was really amazing. She, she's one of those people that like once, unfortunately or fortunately, I mean, I, I don't really have a judgment about it, but like when she got sick, she really changed. Like mm. she became like way more. And I probably did too. Way more open, way more accepting, way more. Oh my gosh. You know, life is not forever. So she became, she mellowed out. I like to say when she, when she got sick, when she got the first cancer diagnosis in 2008, she mellowed out, which was great wow. for our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real. Cause it would be really, really, really hard to take care of someone and people do it all the time. It's like, criticizing you the whole mm -hmm. time about your weight you'd be like mm -hmm. oh my god stop. yeah but she's mellowed out about it and i think she was able to to look past the physical appearance of people as mm. she, when when her physical appearance started changing yeah so uh, yeah no longer the stunner because of the or in the traditional way because of the cancer i think it gave her a perspective of like oh it's to look because her motto my mother's motto literally was it's better to look good than to feel good like she would say that really literally yeah and so when she got cancer i think it shifted she was like wait a second this isn't i don't oh no yeah if you don't feel good it doesn't matter you know it sort of doesn't matter that much what you look like and i think it took right. that for her to see that she said but you know we get we we get what we get when we get it you know exactly at least you had that at least you had that to you know and as especially as a lasting kind of memory. Yeah, it wasn't horrible. Right. So let's, uh, you, you mentioned that, you know, that your, your mom and your grandma and your 
Colombian side of your family was very focused on weight. Totally. And you said, you know, and you mentioned, you know, when you were in theater school that you noticed that you were not getting the ingenue roles, but it wasn't really, didn't really bother, bother you. But was there a time where you realized, like I had a moment and I was very young. I've been taking acting classes most of my life. My parents were actors. They met at an audition they stopped acting uh, when I was really young because they needed to pay bills in New York City and then the I'm not even going to say what decade. Um, <laughs> and but it was somehow instilled in me and I I wanted to learn. So I would take all kinds of acting classes as a kid and whatever. Anyway, um, and I remember having this class. Uh, I was a teenager. I was in high school and I was in a class with some of my friends and I just looked forward to it all the time. It was just, it was finally my moment to like not have to worry about Claire and the way Claire uh, is representing herself in the world. Uh I don't know. It was just, it was just very, there there was a lot of liberation to it. And we only did like improv and all of that stuff. But my teacher was just this wonderful, sweet, nurturing, supportive, lovely woman with this beautiful voice and loved me, like was just super, super uh, supportive of me. And I didn't have anybody like that in my life or in acting. And so I loved going to this class. And I remember doing a scene with someone and I think for a very rare moment, just letting it all out, just exposing it all, all of my emotions, not worrying about how I looked and what people were thinking of me. And we finished and I was so proud of myself and, and just like, wow, this might be something, this might be something I can do. Yeah. Um, And I remember her going, you know, Claire, you could be a leading lady if you just lost weight. Wow. In front of the entire class. And how it was, I was, I was probably like 14, 15. Yeah. Um, And it was just like, I remember it being in my head, like, ah, there it is. Right. There's the exception. This is why I won't be able to do wow. any of the things that I want to do because I'm too big and that's all that people, and that's all that matters clearly. Oh. Um, I think that's horrifying and that's yeah. so typical of what plus size teens exactly actors hear. I, my family was so hard on me. And so I would say sometimes, you know, just mean and straight up verbally abusive about my weight that I, that kind of thing. Right. I never put myself out there Mm -hmm. in that way. I may have been acting. It's weird. I may, I don't, I think I was not a good actor, not because I didn't try, but because I didn't put myself out there like that because I was afraid to put myself out there for fear that the teacher would point out my weight, right? Yes, so yes. you did the brave thing. So I mm-hmm. think, I mean, you were you were in the moment and really going for it. I never went for it. So if you mm-hmm. don't go for it, right, you 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 don't risk as much their yeah. feedback, right? Yeah. So then then they can focus on the acting and say, oh, well, you're not, you didn't really go for it. You're holding back. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think that the reason that I probably didn't go for it was for fear of that because I had witnessed that happening to me with my family. So in my family, whenever you got too, it was like, if you ever were too happy or let yourself go too much, that was just to recap, like, I, I think that I held back so much that criticism that I got could be about the body. Does that make sense that they would on the, pick on that quote acting because and I think that was a defense mechanism. So so I was taught very young to not put myself out there for fear of being picked on. So why I picked acting, I must have subconsciously wanted to work this out. But I'm I'm I think that moment that you had was so brilliant in that mm. class. I'm so sad that she said that to you. And it makes me want to yeah. throttle her. And I know that she didn't quote mean it, and I know that she wasn't a quote mean person, but I don't care. I just I just I I 
how unfortunate that was. How unfair and unfortunate. Yeah. And, and agreed. And I, you know, I, uh, I don't hold that against her because I do know that that's, she wasn't trying to hurt me. Um, she was just speaking of the reality of the time or speaking to it. Um, looking back, I mean, I definitely can recognize that that made me withdraw again of course. and not expose myself anymore. Who wants to be exposed? Who wants to expose mm-hmm. themselves to that? That's horrifying. Mm-hmm. The shame is unbelievable. Yeah. So I think I've done that. I've done that until recently for my whole life, that holding yeah. back to yeah. avoid being told, oh, if you just, because I, my mom said that all the time, you'd be so pretty if you lost weight. So then I'm not going to put myself out there. So I would no. hide. And it's a wonder that I, that's why I, when I'm like, I don't know how I got into acting. I don't know how I got into theater school. I don't know how <laughs> I ever got cast in anything. Not because I was terrible, but because I wasn't really present. And like, yeah. Being vulnerable, I am now. Now I do yeah. because I'm like, oh, who cares? I'll, I'll do something else if I'm not gonna if I'm not gonna be vulnerable and and be uh, present to the best of my ability during acting. I'll do something else. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, but I've had moments of I'm sure I know people have said some stuff about my weight in terms of um in the acting world, but mm-hmm. you know, they usually say it behind their backs now, yeah. you know, so yeah. I, I don't, yeah. but, but I know that the fear is always there. Yeah. The fear of someone saying something is always there. So whether or not they actually say it is sort of is inconsequential sometimes. Cause it's like, Oh, they'll just, and that's how I felt. That's how I felt yeah. my whole life until, and of course it still comes and goes, but now I'm like, dude, I am 45 years old. Mm-hmm. I will do, and I am something else, but also if I choose to act, I'm not going to be, I'm going to not be ashamed. Yeah. I'm not going to be ashamed of that, of my body all the time. I can't, it's too much work. If I'm going to do that, I'll just do something else. Cause I can't, right. it's too tiring. So, or change or make a change, whether yeah. that's going to crash. Some people go on a crash diet. Some people go on a not crash diet. It's not, look, it's all valid, but I'm just, I just, um, I think that the fear of happening to me, and I'm sure it happened to me and I blocked it out, but I I think the fear for me was greater than the thing that actually happened. So I just never, I just never went for it, you know, because we were told, oh, well, if you're, if you, you see examples. So if I had been, okay, so like if I had been in that class, Mm -hmm. you know, even if I had been the one she's talking to, right, people say Mm -hmm. that and it Mm -hmm. means like, oh, I don't want it to happen to say to me what she said to Claire. So yeah. I, A, won't put myself out there. B, I'll drop out of this class. Whatever it is. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and I'm going to go home and hide in my room yeah. and eat some donuts. Right. Yeah. And because cry. that's my only comfort at right. this point. It's embarrassing. Right. It's shame. It's shame. And do- it brings up so much shame. She was, she was inadvertently shaming. Oh, God. Yeah. In a way that was just so, so painful. And that has happened to me. But I think, unfortunately, it happened to me hugely when I was very young from my own family. So, so it wasn't, it wasn't the acting world that did me in. It was already there. It was already there. It was like, already there. I would say from like when I was like seven, my mom was mm. like, you got to stop. You got to stop. You got to. I, I remember she bought me a mug. This is, and it's like real gross. She bought me a mug that said, when I was like eight, mm. the mug said, I'm not overweight. I'm under tall. Oh my God. But, and it's I'm, I'm not judging her. Um, no, like, you can judge her. I mean, that was a jerk <laughs> thing too. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, where were the other adults that said, didn't say to my mom, what are you doing? You're yeah. ruining your, or my father, like what? Where yeah. Where the, was your dad? And all I, this? Right. And the thing is, my father was, was six foot 10, six foot mm. nine, sorry, six foot nine. He was huge and a big guy and he was a basketball player. And oh my gosh. He, he, I think my father was just happy. I was getting picked on and not him. Families are very disturbing. Oh, wow. <laughs> Families are a disturbing place, a place to grow up in, mm. you know? And um, so I think that that's what was going on with my dad. But um, I, 
Yeah. So I got it really young. So the fact that I went to acting school at all is is was the dumbest thing I could probably have ever done. <laughs> but but it also, you know, it was also a blast. I had a blast in college yeah. and on, on many levels. And then I think working for a movie star and witnessing the madness that was that, I that sort level. of yeah. got pers- I got perspective of like what's important, what's not. And look, acting is very. If you can do what you did in that class mm. when you're acting. I think then by all means that you should be acting all the time as your job. I really do. If you can be that, if you can let it go more times than not, right? Yeah. And go for it, then you're in the right field. I can do that. I would say I'm set, you know, and I work. It's funny. It's people are like, oh, well, you never work. Like, no, no, I go to set. I'm just terrified of that. Mm. And I'm terrified of, of, of what? It's like making a mistake. I'm probably yeah. scared of the shame. It's the shame. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. body related or smarts related, the shame, the fear of the embarrassing myself, the fear. Of, so I've worked through a lot of it, but I'm still afraid. So when I go mm. to set, I, it takes me a lot of work to get to the point. I don't even know if I ever get there where I'm, I've done it on stage, but maybe the, a lot of people to get to the point where I can really let go and be in the moment and experience all that emotion. I mean, it's hard on set too, because you've got a million yeah, things yeah. going on, but yeah. even in theater, I couldn't, I haven't done that lately. So, and that's, and I feel when I'm writing, I don't have any, I have no fear. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, that's not true. I have fear that's going to suck, but then I get over that. And I think, oh my God, there's so much other poorly written stuff that gets made. So shut <laughs> up and keep writing. Um, but acting so personal. It's so much, yes. it's our body, our body. Yeah. Is out there. We're on display. Absolutely. And there's no getting around it. I mean, the costumes. Yeah, oh, there's, yeah. there's no getting around it. It's so, still you. Out yeah, there. that was the other thing that I was just going to mention, because I was thinking about um, now what I do is when I'm called from a costumer night before set, mm. I will say, listen to me. I literally say I am built like a rugby player with a gut. So <laughs> Jen. And I, but I don't care. And it doesn't hurt. It, it's actually, I'm like, because what is more painful is to show up on set and have them try to tell get me into size 12s. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. So I am very explicit because I'm protecting myself from, I'm already scared as hell yeah. when I'm on yeah, set, yeah, yeah. right? Why mm-hmm. am I going to put myself through the hell that is costume and wardrobe? No, I am very honest and I give them my mm. exact measurements and I don't mess around. I don't pretend. And they're like, oh, you're very forward. I'm like, listen, yeah. security, I don't need any trouble because you know I've what's going to happen yeah. is I will burst into tears if you try to make me get into a size 12. I will die. Mm-hmm. So stop. It's not happening. And and I, we have to, I have to be proactive. And I, this is what I tell all people that ask me. I'm like, don't lie about your sizes. Yeah. If, if no. you don't want a whole guffuffle on set be honest Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. be and and own it because if not it's another opportunity for shame to rear its ugly head and you don't need that when you're on set yeah you know it's interesting that you say that because uh very similarly you know when we go on auditions and i'll just use pr as an example but it's typical of of all the the casting houses you know you have to sign in and usually have an info sheet and on that info sheet they ask you for your height and weight and they ask you for your sizes and it goes to like your hat size and you're you're like i don't freaking know Yeah. yeah um but i always get to that and i I'm like, I freeze. Cause I'm like, what do I, do I, what do I, do I go over? Do I go under what? It, and, you know, and I have friends that are not considered plus size who will be the first ones to say, I don't even fill it out. I don't fill it out. It's none of their business. They'll see when I go to the costume people and I'm like, you know what? I love that you do that, but I don't have that luxury. Me neither. Yeah, right. We don't have, I don't have that right. luxury. Exactly. And I am not setting myself up for any, right. more, any more criticism than I have already received about the way I look. So yes. thank you very much, but no thank you. I tell the truth. I put everything down. That way they can't say, oh, well, you said nope. It's right, right. there. I'm not. Right. I'm, and I'm also not going to buy into the mass delusion that somehow 
um, if you don't say, then it's not happening. Right. Then it doesn't exist. It's not right. true. It's right. Like, I'm not going to buy into that. I, I talk a lot with my writing partner about, we talk about a lot of, we're writing a story, uh, a new series about a cult figure and we're writing oh about God. a mass delusion and how we're not, I'm not going to participate in the mass delusion that certain bodies are better bodies than other bodies. I'm not going to do it. Exactly. I'm not going to do it anymore. Good. Good. Is there anyone that you feel kind of embodies both both physically and emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. the kind of strong, empowered actor or person? You know who comes to mind? It's really interesting. Mm. Interesting. It's um, and that she's local, so mm. it's not a movie star. It's uh, Kierce Fitzgerald. So from Red Kid, <gasps> Kirsten. Yeah, yeah. She, I don't know how she considers herself, but I consider herself stunning, beautiful, gorgeous, strong. Uh, but also one of the most unapologetically powerful performers that I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen 45, seen a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I would say Pierce is amazing. Um, on a, and I don't have a lot of acting heroes. I just, my heroes are like, I love, you know, um, the guy who wrote Mindhunter book mm. about serial killers, John, mm. you know, <laughs> I love, I, I have weird heroes. So, but in, in terms of acting and in mm -hmm. terms of female identifying and in terms of someone who's bigger bodied, um, that is someone that I think is, I love her with a pat mm. and I've worked with her and she's amazing. And I just think that she embodies um, strength and grace and also acting chops. Like I would never, I, I watch her work and I'm like, oh my God, she's just a, she's just a, a, a marvelous, marvelous actor. So that's someone that I'm like, oh yeah, that's give me Kears Fitzgerald any day of the week. I'll watch that's her do anything. Awesome. I understudied her and I was just like, did you? The, yeah. Red Orchid. Yeah. I was like, this is the greatest thing. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So she's she's someone, and I think that yeah, she she just embodies that. But other than that, I don't have a lot of bigger bodied here. Oh, my friend, and then there's just a writer friend that's from Evanston, um, mm -hmm. who's also a sort of super fancy famous writer now, Sam Irby, who wrote which is she's she's a blog writer, but she wrote um, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. Um, mm. uh, anyway, she's a New York Times bestselling writer. She's like a fancy writer. And she's she's a she's a self identifies as fat. And she's mm. um, she's brilliant. And I love her. And she's a television writer now. And I love her. So um, and I've done storytelling with her. And she's glorious. And she's someone that I really, really, really look up to. But acting wise, it's got to be Kierce. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I hope to be able to talk to her at some point. Yeah. You know, if, you know, depending on how, how she identifies yeah, in that way. Yeah, how she sees herself. You yeah, know? yeah. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I love those. That's, those are great. If you could design oh. your, it can be a, well, I would say dream role. Yes. What would it be? Hmm. I think it would be my dream role, seriously, is where they say, don't worry about memorization <laughs> because I get, so, I get so nervous about that. So it's an improv situation. Okay, perfect. You show up on set. You're working with brilliant, lovely, nice people on a comedy mm. and you're playing a heightened, more hilarious version of yourself. That's it. That'd be my mm. dream role. And I could just play with other actors and we could come up with something. So it would be, it would be very um, ensemble based improv so jen bosworth ramirez playing jen bosworth ramirez but better meaning meaning uh the heightened fierce version of myself that i wish i could be in real life and without fear that or the fear doesn't stop you or the fear or the trauma doesn't stop you so that would be my dream role that would be so much fun this episode's call to action is an organization that is near and dear to Jen's heart. It is the Latino Union of Chicago, which collaborates with low-income immigrant and U.S.-born workers to develop the tools necessary to collectively improve social and economic conditions. 
Women Temporary Workers founded Latino Union of Chicago in 2000 to improve working conditions in temporary employment agencies and in the communities where they lived and worked. Latino Union has also focused on corner day laborers, low-income immigrant workers who seek temporary employment on public street corners in the home construction and landscaping industries. Their website is latinounion.org. That's L-A-T-I-N-O-U-N-I-O-N.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Big Bones, Thick Skin. Many thanks to my dear friend, Jen Bosworth Ramirez, for sharing herself and her stories. Her website, again, is undeniablewriters.com. Big thanks also to the wonderful Eric Backus for our amazing music, Meredith Montgomery for the incredible BBTS artwork, and Amelia Driscoll with Summit Podcasting for her incredible help with editing. Help us out and subscribe for more honest, thought-provoking, and occasionally funny conversations with me and my guests. And thanks for listening to Big Bones, Thick Skin. Thick Skin.